coming up. Blog Talk Radio. I think that, you know, 
these teams know each other so well and play defense so well in field position that the Ravens do pull up the upset and win 13 to 10. What do you think? I DJ? think that's a good analysis. I think that's a good analysis, JB. I'm glad that you're on the show because otherwise uh, we'd be flying through these games very quickly. Give us your expert <laughs> opinion on the next game, JB. Well, the next game is Saturday night. It's the six seed Packers versus the one seed. No, yeah, it's the six seed Packers versus the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously in Atlanta. Atlanta always plays well at home. Matt Ryan is a great quarterback at home. Has only lost one or two times this, uh, you know, in his career at home. Uh, unfortunately, they do run into a hot Packer team, which I think the Packers are peaking at the right time now. So I think that the Packers do pull up another, pull off another upset, even though, I mean, on paper the the Packers are pretty much even. They are the sixth seed. They are the wild card. So they are on the road playing Atlanta. But I do see the Packers again with that really good defense playing a really good game against Atlanta DG, and I think the Packers pull off an upset. So you have a, a second straight upset, another road team winning, and I can see the final score of this game being 27-23. to 23. I think that you're, uh, as always, your analysis is spot on. I actually happen to agree with you on this game as well. I believe the Packers are going to pull it out. Uh, the Falcons are a great <laughs> team, no doubt. But I believe that uh, I'd give the edge between quarterbacks to Aaron Rodgers over Matt Ryan, although Ryan is good and really hasn't you know, haven't lost in his building. But you know what? This is the playoffs. Anything can happen. I believe that the Packers will pull this out, and I believe that they will go on to the NFC Championship game next week. Um, you know, JB, I'm starting to lean your way, which probably means that the Packers will get blown out and lose. Uh, but I'm, I'm starting to lean your way in terms of uh, who's going to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, as far as the Packers, I think that they, you know, this might be the team just to go at least to represent the NFC. So we both agree on this game. We both also agree on the Ravens and Steelers. Um, JB, you said 27-24? I'll go 27-23, DG. Okay, that's that's a good prediction. That's a good prediction. Um, now, what about the, what about the next game, uh, JB? Seahawks and Bears, talk to us. Well, we have the upset, you know, the upset kids, the Seattle Seahawks, now visiting the Chicago Bears Sunday, January 16th at 1 p.m. I think, you know, the Seahawks are playing with house money here. Obviously, they beat the Super Bowl champions last week, even though, you know, they were the four seed, but they were a 7-9 and nine team. Unfortunately, they're going to run into a buzzsaw here with the Chicago Bears. I think the Chicago Bears, as we've discussed last show, are just way too physical for this team. I think that the Seahawks might hang there, might hang in the game for the first two quarters, maybe the first half, and then basically I think the Bears then pull away. I think that... You know, this could actually be a blowout, folks. I think that the Bears could actually um, open the game wide open in the third and fourth quarter. Um, I, I'm going to say that the Seahawks turned the ball over quite a few times against this Bear defense. I think that the the Seahawks defense will not be able to stop the Bear offense. And I think, you know, I could definitely see one of those 33-14 to 14 type games. And, you know, it's one of those yawn fests. Until you know, we get ready for the main event, which would be Sunday at 4:30. But DG, you agree that the Seahawks are playing with house money at this point? Oh, of course, definitely. There's no doubt the Seahawks have zero pressure on them, and I think that's the way that you want to play football. Really, you know, loose and fancy free, as they like to say. I'm gonna to have to disagree with you on this one. I go back to the same point that I made Tuesday. Yes, the Bears are a physical team, but if the I mean, I thought in, coming out of the NFC, I thought the Saints were the best team. So if the Seahawks could do what they did to to that team with Drew Brees and just not being able to get the job done, 
I don't see why this Bears team would be any different. Um, again, I'll pro. Who knows? You know, you you never know what's going to happen in the NFL. But I'm going to have to pick the Seahawks. I just can't bet against them after last week. Uh, you might be right. You know, they may get pummeled. They may they may get blown out by twenty some odd points. But I honestly believe that they're going to win this game. They're going to prove us wrong. And I can't pick against them after what they did last week. I definitely don't see why you would pick against them. But uh, you know, again, I understand your points. Um, so I'm going to have to disagree. JB, what about our last game? And for us in the New York area, and you particularly, this is the big game. Give us your thoughts. Break it well, down. You DG, you didn't give us a prediction of a, of a score yet, so I'd like to hear a prediction between the Seahawks and Bears. Uh, well, I haven't given you a prediction of a score in any game. Uh, I'm just you know, trying to keep it that way because at least if I get the, the actual outcome right, I won't have to worry about the score because my week last week was terrible. You had a much better week. You would have been perfect if the Seahawks had done what we expected them to do. So uh, if you want a prediction, I'm going to say Seahawks win by a couple of points, and it's going to be high scoring. You know what's interesting, DG, is that when you get to this round of the NFL playoffs, you rarely see many upsets. We, you rarely see many upsets, and so far, every game we've picked, we've picked the basically the underdog. I mean, I mean, you have anyway. You picked the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Ravens. I mean, are you an underdog? Like, do you like the underdogs, or is this? Are you, do you have money on Vegas, or what's going on here? Well, I think you know me well enough to know that I am not a betting man, but. The truth be told, I do like the underdog story. I do like the teams that other pe- people pick against. I guess it comes from my dad. My dad is infamous, and I do say infamous, for picking the teams basically based on that. He'll pick a team just because everybody else hates them. Uh, he won huge in 69 with the Mets, picking against, you know, everybody picking against them, and even with the Jets back in uh, 69 as well. So I probably get it from the old man. Uh, I would have to say, again, I just I just like the story. You know, I think it, I think sometimes we as sports fans get caught up in what the norm is and what usually happens and what um, you know what's expected. And I think the Seahawks proved last week, and they very well they very well may get blown out. But the fact is that they proved last week you just don't know on any given day anything can happen in any sport. So you know, JB, that's my take on it. I honestly believe that uh, you just don't know. So I don't want to go with the easy pick. I'd like to go against the grain. I actually did that deliberately so I could, uh, you know, segue into this game because I'm hoping that you will see the light and uh, after my analysis, pick the Jets. That leads us into the Sunday night game, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon game at 4:30 in Foxborough. The New England Patriots play my New York Jets, the only New York team that's still in the playoffs. You Giant fans, so <laughs> take oh yeah, that. throw that in there. Yeah, just gotta throw that in there. Well. You know, it's one of those matchups once again. The the, the two teams in the same uh, division basically split. They were one and one. They each won at their own home on their own field. The last game that everyone it basically you know what's what's mind-boggling to me is that everyone is focused mainly on the last game that these two teams played, and it was a blowout. Granted, forty-five to three, but these two teams know each other way too way too well. I think that it's going to be a, a close game. I mean, sure, it's David versus Goliath. The Patriots basically, the Patriots basically, after playing Cleveland and losing to Cleveland, Cleveland just like you, they woke a sleeping giant. I mean, they went on to go fourteen and two, and basically they beat the Jets that one Monday night game that pretty much decided the division and also decided the one seed. So basically, the Jets have you know a big mount to climb here. Now, psychologically, they have to overcome obviously that forty-five to three game because that was the most recent meeting that these two teams had. 
But, you know, we have the loudmouth Rex Ryan versus the mad scientist, like I like to call him, you know, Bill Belichick. It's a heated rivalry. I, I think that it's it's going to be a close game. I mean, some question marks, some questions that you have to ask as a Jet fan is, can the Jets put up touchdowns in the red zone uh, against the Patriots' defense? And I think they can because, you know, the defense is not that good this year. I think that the Jets will need to score touchdowns to be in this game because, obviously, the Jets' defense, as good as it may be or may not be, you know, they had a pretty good game last week against the Colts. But the question is, can this defense put pressure on Brady? Can they hold the, the Patriots to field goals instead of touchdowns? And can they hope that Tom Brady just doesn't carve them up all day? I mean, Cromartie opened his mouth this week. I don't know if that was a good or bad thing. I, I, you know, the Jets, they like to talk. This, this, this New York Jet team likes to talk. They like to follow what their, their head coach, Rex Ryan, does, uh, minus the foot fetish, DG. So, I mean, it's going to be a really, really good game. I, I'm i going to, obviously, as a Jet fan, I, I'm i torn, but I, I, I do I do think the Jets, <laughs> don't laugh at me, DG, I think the Jets pull off the 27-24 to 24 upset. They continue this magic carpet ride, this carpet ride that the Giants were on in 2007, and they move on to the AFC Championship game to play the Baltimore Ravens. JB, <clears throat> I couldn't have said it better myself. I agree with you on this game. Um, you're absolutely right, you know, getting back to your first point, when you said that the people focus way too much on that 45-3 to game. The fact is Jets beat the Patriots in their first meeting. Um, you know what, you can't discount that. You can't discount the fact that the Jets and the Pats know each other so well, and you can't discount the fact that the Jets are the, the Jets are must be feeling confident. You know they've made it this far. What the heck? Why not say that they can beat the Patriots? You know what? In my heart of hearts, I honestly think that the Jets are going to lose this game, but I, I'm going to pick them. I'm going to pick the Jets against the Patriots. Uh, I believe it's going to be a low-scoring game, a little bit lower than what you said. Um, I believe the key to the game, though, JB, is Mark Sanchez, because as you stated last week, as Greenblood stated la- uh, last week, excuse me, on Tuesday, Sanchez did not play a good game at all. He, you know, he made the play when he had to, but he can't play that kind of football this week against the Patriots. The Jets need to come out, you know, Revis Island, uh, Darrell Revis needs to have a big game, their defense needs to show up like they did last week. But the offense needs to hold the ball, they need to move the ball, and they need to score points. They definitely need to put up points. Uh, and I believe the Jets will do that. I believe that they're going to, you know, again, you put a gun to my head, I say Patriots win. But at the same time, you mentioned David and Goliath. We all know that David won that one. I believe that the Jets will take this game. Um, you know, I'm going to pick them. I'm going to pick, a, again, lower scoring than what you said. But we're pretty much on, on par with all these games except for the Seahawks and the Bears. Um, you know what, JB, if Sanchez can get the job done, if his shoulder's not him, I really believe that the Jets are going to take it all the way downtown to Chinatown, and they will win this game. Folks, we actually have a couple of callers on the line. Uh, that's right, I said a couple. We're going to take our first caller, uh, you know, as we're talking here about some football. We have Mr. 551. You are live and on the air with Pure Gold. This is the one true green blood. Uh, how you doing, sir? You, I'm doing good. How you guys doing tonight? Did you hear? Did you hear our analysis of the four games, uh, Greenblood? I I did jump in late. I was in the gym late today, pumping it out. You know, working out some anxiety over Get this, uh, this Jets patch game. That's right. Uh, I'm cautiously <laughs> optimistic. I think is a good way to put it. 
Uh, I have to agree with you, DG. Revis has got to go out there and earn that paycheck. Uh, Cromartie has got to play mistake-free football. Got to be mistake-free football tonight. You can't give uh, up that over-the-top pass like he did against the Colts last week. They need to be who they are. Go out there and pound and ground that football. Run the clock. Keep Brady off the field. And, you know, Mike Mayock said it before on Total Access today. Everybody needs to settle down about these pats. <laughs> Direct quote. I think Mike Mayock is the only one picking the pats so far. Uh, I'm, on the, I'm on the Jets. I am on the Jets. I am riding this train to the station. Uh, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game as well, but I think the Jets are going to pull it out. I am not going to pick against the spread because I am terrible <laughs> picking against the spread, but I will pick the outright win. Uh, I did hear you guys talk about the uh, – yes, sir. No, I was going to ask you, Greenblood, um, what do you think about this? Like, I think it's a great thing to do uh, personally because when you're the underdog and you've been beating up pretty much your entire you know, existence, I, I love the fact that, to be honest with you, that Cromartie called out Tom Brady, called him an a-hole. You know, like, who knows? Maybe Tom Brady now, you know, who knows? Maybe Tom Brady now has it in his head that, you know, he's got he's to beat Cromartie every time. And maybe Cromartie plays the game of his life. And guess what? Tom Brady then you know, craps the bed and, you know, costs his, game, costs his team the game. You know he's going to go at him. That's just Brady the ego. He's going to go at him for, for yapping. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what my wife says. My wife says that Brady is due. You can't play this much mistake-free football and not crap all over yourself eventually. It's got to happen. I only hope that it happens against us. Yep. And what, what do you think about the other games that you want to hit on? Uh... The Bears, I think that they're going to win with their defense the same way that they've won in the past. I think that they're going to win in spite of Cutler because regardless of how he's played as of late, he's still Jay Cutler, and he still has the the ability to go out there and have a five-pick day. I think that's going to be a low-scoring game, too. I think the Bears are going to win with defense and running the football. Classic well, you said, you, yeah, you said that the Bears are going to be way too physical for the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a finesse team. The Bears are at home, and they're going to just, you know, out-physical them. They are. They're going to run over them with that running game. They, if Cutler throws the ball, the, if that's part of the game plan to use the, uh, the the running game to set up the pass, I think it's foolish. I don't even think they have to. It should yeah. be like the uh, the Jets versus the Bills in week, in week 17. Just go out there and run the ball four times, and you get a first down. Yep. And uh, how about the Packers and Falcons? Uh, you think the Packers have another upset in them? I'll tell you, I, 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 this kid Clay Matthews is just amazing. Uh, if he, Like I said the other day, if he's not Defensive Player of the Year, it's a crime. Uh, Atlanta at home has been tough to pick against, but I got to go. Go, Pack, go. There you go. I think they're going to win with that defense. I think Rodgers is energizing that offense, and I think that they are going to win that game right. And as a big-time NFL fan, not only a big Jet fan, everyone, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, unless, you're, uh, unless your team's in it, obviously you're going to want to watch that game more than anything. But as just a pure NFL fan, <laughs> how about this grudge match, round three this year between the Ravens and Steelers? <laughs> Who gets the broken nose in this one? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is going to be a slam fest. This is going to be like MMA with helmets. 
This is going to be good stuff. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this game. Uh, this is this is the, this is the matchup you wait for all year long. You wait for Jets Pats in the playoffs, and you wait for Steelers Ravens anytime they play. NFC, AFC West or AFC North, I should say, is is fantastic football to watch. That whole division is everybody's is just in one big grudge match, and it's fantastic and bloody and violent and awesome and everything that football should be. God bless the Roonies. <laughs> you know what's funny about this game? I think this is the game that you're going to have the first overtime rules implemented. I think the score is going to be like something like 9-9 or 10-10, and then we're going to go into overtime. We're going to see finally who could actually score a touchdown and end the game because I think that it's just a grudge match, and it's going to be a game of field position, obviously. There's going to be a lot of punting, obviously. And I just, you know, see it low scoring, you know, one of those either 10-9 games or even 13-10 games. It's just going to be a grudge match. I hope this one does go to overtime and they have the new rules and all that jazz so we can just stop talking about it already. I know the rule. I heard it back in September. I get it. I don't need it explained to me ad nauseum during every game late in the fourth quarter. I get it. I understand how the rule works. Enough. Let's move on with that one. But I am looking forward to seeing the strategy, though, how that plays out. Because uh, my understanding is with this rule that if you kick the onside to come out in overtime, that counts as a possession. So if you recover the onside and go down to kick a field goal, the game is over. That's very He's interesting. Got the ball's enough to do that. Yeah, uh, that's very interesting. So I guess uh, we'll find out about that. Greenblood, we, uh, we thank you for your call. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and get your take on all things Jets and NFL. Hopefully you can call us back on Tuesday after a Jets win. And if not, call us back on Tuesday so you could cry your little eyes out on uh, on the Pure Gold Airways. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Have a good night. All right, take care. Have a good one. Uh, Folks, we have another caller on the line uh, who's been waiting for for a bit. Uh, We got Greenblood's take. Now we're going to get the take from there's a 973-980 number. Sir, you are live and on the air with Pure Gold. Who's this? Hey guys, this is Ray from Toto. How you doing? Doing hey, good. Doing good. Good, good. I, I called in and heard you guys talking some football. I wanted to chime in if it's okay. Yeah. What, what team oh, do you uh, root for, Ray? I, I'm I'm actually a Giants fan, but um, mm-hmm. I, I do root for the, I do root for the Jets. But um, unfortunately, I, I'm gonna have to bust a bubble, and and, and I, I'm thinking I, I think New England's gonna win the game. You know, I, you know, I'm probably obviously not the first to say that, but um, but I think New England, I don't know, they just look too tough to beat. But I, you know, I get the Jets obviously have a chance to win. You know, if, if everything breaks right, but uh, I don't know, New England just looks too tough right now. I mean, unless you guys can pull can pull a Giants move. From from yesteryear, maybe you know maybe the Jets can pull it out. Yeah, do you, do you think that the um, do you think that it's going to be a high scoring affair? Or do you think it's going to be a low scoring affair? Uh, um, I guess would be I, I would call it more along the lines of like I guess New England will have like thirty in the thirties, and I think the Jets would have something like seventeen, twenty, twenty points. That's what that something like that. So, I mean, it's not going to be like the obviously like the the prior game, forty-five to three, but I think New England in the end is gonna, you know, it's gonna be too much. I'm hoping I'm wrong though. And well, what do you, a Giants uh, fan, a Giants fan, siding with the Jets—that's always a good thing. 
Um, do you think that uh, – let me ask you one question. Do you think that the Jets have to play mistake-free football? I keep hearing people say that, that it has to be mistake-free, but th- there's really no such thing. I mean, the Giants, even when they beat the Patriots in, in 07, they didn't play mistake-free. They played close to it. But do you think the Jets can pull this out if, uh, let's say, if Sanchez doesn't have a stellar game? I mean, what do you think, uh, Ray? Uh, see, that I don't I, – if, if Sanchez doesn't have a good game, I mean, unless unless they could – Pound, you know, pound the ball, running, running the ball, you know, just nonstop. I mean, I, I, unless they do something like that, I, you know, they need Sanchez to play a good game. I, to me, I think, you know, all, all facets of the game have to be, you know, they have to be on top of their game. You know, uh, special teams that they could have, you know, uh, is 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 um is what is it? Is, what's his name? Brad Davis? Is that his name? That the the return man? Is he back? Oh, Brad Smith, you mean? I'm sorry, Brad Smith. Yeah, is, is he back or is or is Cromartie uh, still? Uh... It really depends. If he's if Brad Smith said uh, the other day, if he's not 100, percent he's not going to be. Uh, Westoff, the special teams coach, said he's not going to be returning him. So, uh, to be honest with you, he didn't practice yesterday. So I think that you will see Cromartie basically returning punts. Okay. Well, Cromartie actually did a great job. I think. I mean, that, he was huge, and especially on that last run, you know. Against the Colts, so I mean he could definitely get the job done, but you know. So, but I will. But anyway, special teams, you know, I think offense, defense, they, you know, they all have to be clicking. I mean, I, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you also got to expect, you know, New England, you know, to also for them not to be on top of their game. If they're on top of their game, then yeah, it's going to be tough. What What other game intrigues you uh, with the other three? The Ravens Steeler game. Do you like that one? Yes, I definitely like that game, and I, and I heard you uh, talking about it. You know, it's going to be you know a bruiser. Um, definitely, I, I'm, I'm rooting for Baltimore there. Um, uh, I like to see uh, Baltimore, you know, move ahead. But but that's definitely you know you could see that, that like you guys said, being a low scoring game. You know, maybe going into overtime. Um, but uh, you know, I'm rooting for Baltimore there. What, what do you guys think, DG? Well, we agree with you on that one. We're both also rooting for the Ravens. We both think that the Ravens are going to pull this out. Um, I know that the Steelers have obviously won two Super Bowls, and Ben Roethlisberger has been a big part of that. But you know what? I think that the Ravens will get the job done, and we'll be talking about, you know, the hopefully, you know, in the New York scene, Jets and Ravens uh, next week. Ray, we thank you for your call. It's a pleasure. Hopefully you can call us back, uh, you know, next week and talk a little more football or whatever else is on your mind. We appreciate it, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon, Ray. Definitely. Uh, keep it up. Keep up the great job, guys. Take care. Thank you. All right, thank you. Take care. Folks, we have another call on the line. We're going to take that right now. We have a Mr. 201-886. You are live and on the air with Pure Gold. What's up, boys? How are we doing tonight? Good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. How are you, sir? What would you like okay. to talk about? Uh, I want to talk to some Jets football. It's, uh, it's that time. That time of the week. I heard uh, your previous caller talk a little bit about it. Um Lifelong Jeff Ham, I'm very excited. Um, a lot of people, I I think, are not giving the Jets a a chance. I, I think they're they're a lot better than maybe some people are giving them credit for. Uh, I understand it is the Patriots, and the Patriots are the class. I, I don't think you're going to see uh, 40 45-3 again like you saw on that Monday night. Uh, I think the Jets have come prepared. It's going to take everything to, to win the game, of course, but uh, you know the Jets haven't done poorly against the Patriots. They've split. The series, the last two seasons, 
Um, three times out of five, the Patriots have lost in Foxborough. It's been to the Jets. So uh, I think there's a good chance here. Uh, um, and I'm excited about the game. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, in reference to your last caller, I don't think Sanchez has to be great. Um, I think he's got to take care of the ball. He's got to be smart with it. He's got to play good. Uh, he doesn't have to be Tom Brady. Uh, no one's going to be Tom Brady. He just has to be smart with the ball, and they have to let the ground game take over, like they did last week, keep in, in, in keeping Manning off the field. They have to keep Brady off the field and, and, and put some points up um, with the running game. And the defense has to come. The defense has to come to play. They haven't uh, they haven't been the same as they were last year. They they didn't they didn't play well in that Monday night game. Um, and I think if, if the defense comes full force, um, we get a good chance to win this one. What do you boys think? Uh, I think that that's definitely a good analysis. Uh, in all the excitement of uh, taking calls and everything, we actually missed your name. Who, who is this calling in? This is Mitch from Fort Lee. Mitch from Fort Lee. That's a good analysis, Mitch. You said you're a lifelong Jets fan. Uh, what about the other games? Do you have you, any take on them? Um, I tell you, it's a, it's a toss-up with the uh, with the Raven Steelers. I'm an AFC guy, being that I'm a Jet fan. Um, the Steelers are, are uh, almost unbeatable at home, but then the Jets did beat them. So uh, you never count the Ravens out. <laughs> they're, they're well coached. They've got a good team. The defense, even though it's it's older, uh, they're still vicious and, and they're still uh, led led by Ray Lewis. They, they can still stop you at any time if they have a if they have a good game. So. Um, I mean that's, a, that's an exciting game. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be good. I I wouldn't even pick one. Uh, I'm worried about the Patriots, but uh, that's going to be a good game as well. And I think, as good as the Falcons or the Bears have been, I think the team coming out of the AFC is is going to should be the favorite to win the championship. Uh, I just think the teams are stronger. Um, the quarterbacks definitely are, are as good, if not the, if not better than the NFC teams. So. So we'll see. I think um, I know I would go. I would go with the Ravens if I had. A, if you're going to twist my arm to make a pick, I would. I would go Ravens. Just um, I think their defense is a little bit better. Although you never count out uh, Palomalo if he's 100%. Uh, the guy's incredible, and he can he can literally change a game. But um, I think okay, the Ravens, Mitch. just the way they're going, can can do it. All right, Mitch. I was just wondering what your thoughts. I know you're an AFC type guy, but. On the NFC, do you agree that even though they're the sixth seed, that the Packers, out of the 14 remaining, probably um, are the toughest out of the four? And can you see them going to the Super Bowl? Uh, actually, I don't. I don't like the Packers. Um, no. No. <laughs> no. I know they've they've uh, they've done well. I mean, they got in, they got into the playoffs, and, the, and they they forced the Giants out. Um, and you have to give the Bears. I mean, they played all the starters at the end of the game. And they really wanted to win that game, probably because they wanted to eliminate the Packers and not have to worry about them down the road. But um, I think the Falcons are, are just too strong at home. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I think they're either eight and zero or seven and one. If I'm, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and and then the Bears are showing. Well, they had a slump, you know, midway through the season. They've really come on strong, and and the offense is really, um, except for that the Packer game, obviously put up some points, and they they looked really good. Um, I don't know that the, the 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 Packers can go on the road and win three games, um, and get there. I don't, I don't know that they're beating beating the, the Falcons in Atlanta. Well, Mitch, right. we uh, we definitely appreciate you calling in. Uh, thank you for that. Definitely informative and uh, you know insightful. 
Hopefully you'll be able to call us in just like the other ones. We talk about next week. Uh, you know, hopefully the Jets will win and you'll be able to call us on Tuesday and, and you know, give us your take in terms of the uh, AFC Championship game. Uh, you oh, know, JB is informed me. 7-1 was the, was, the, was the record, right? What was that, DJ? No, I said you uh, You just happened to inform me. Uh, you and Fitz, our producer, happened to inform me that the record is 7-1. to one. They lost to the Saints, so the Falcons are, you know, 7-1 and one still. Excellent. We'll see where that goes. But, uh, again, Mitch, we appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. And, uh, hopefully, like I said, you'll be happy come, uh, you know, come the end of the week. All right, boys. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you Thanks, next Mitch. week. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Mitch calling from Fort Lee. We had, uh, you know, three great callers. We We always appreciate the... You know, the insight, and we appreciate them calling in, you know, taking the time out, listening to this, you know, the best in sports talk radio. That's what we are, folks, the absolute best. JB, you have any scores for us? Yes, I do. Uh, it's, a quiet, it's a quiet night in the NBA, but the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Washington, the Washington's, <laughs> why am I not thinking about the Washington? Anyway, Minnesota beat Washington 109-97. to Currently, with only about Wizards? five minutes, yeah, the Washington Wizards. Thank you, DG. I was a uh, brain fart. Brain fart. Sorry about that, folks. Anyway, Oklahoma City and Oklahoma are beating the Orlando Magic, which is good for the Boston Celtics, one eleven to one o five, with about five minutes left to go. And later tonight, well, actually, just getting underway, the Miami, the Miami Heat are on the road taking on the Denver Nuggets. Turning our attention to the NHL, had a full slate tonight. We had the Buffalo Sabres beating the Carolina Hurricane 3-2. to My New York Islanders weren't able to beat the Ottawa Senators. They lost 6-4. to The New York Rangers won one to nothing over the Vancouver Canucks. The Boston Bruins beat the Philadelphia Flyers 7-5. to The Florida Panthers beat the Nashville Thunder 3-2. to And currently in the second period, it's Phoenix one to nothing over Toronto. Just getting underway, Edmonton playing at San Jose. And finally, the last game of the night, the St. Louis Blues are taking on the Los Angeles Kings. That's just getting underway, folks. Those are your two Those are your two score updates from the two leagues, NHL and the NBA. DG, back to you. Uh, sorry, I fell asleep during all that. Uh, for, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, moving right along, folks. Uh, JB, thank you for that. I'd like to get your take, JB, on some nuggets, you know, we, folks, we always have our pure gold nuggets, um, you know, we talk about things that have uh, caught our attention and, you know, what we're going through and just, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that potpourri, as JB likes to say. So, JB, take it away. All right. My first nugget, and then we'll we'll just do rapid fire. Uh, I'll do a nugget, let you comment on it, and then you do yours, and I'll, come on, I'll comment on it. Um, we haven't really touched upon it, and obviously – we do like to talk about sports here on Pure Gold, and it's it's a distraction from the real life that you know we live in, the society that we live in, and um, you know I just wanted to let you know that the how unfortunate and how tragic. Obviously, nothing surprises you uh, nowadays, but that shooting in Arizona, um, you know, this past week where six people died, one of them being Dallas Green's granddaughter, who was uh, not I don't know if it's ironic or not, was born on 9/11/2001 and then died in this tragedy. I just, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, is this a sign, DG, that, you know, things are coming to an end? I mean, we always get religious once in a while on our uh, on our production meetings. I mean, do you have any thoughts about this shooting in Arizona? Um, I think it's an absolute shame. It is ironic, um, it's sad, really, that 
you know, she came into this world in tragedy and she left in a tragedy as well. But it's something that you'll never forget. You'll never forget, you know, what happened to her. You'll, you know, the fact that she's Dallas Green. The, the name didn't even ring a bell. I saw Green. I said, okay, no big deal. But her father being a scout and then her grandfather being, you know, former manager of the New York Mets and also the former cha- uh, manager of the world champion 1980 Philadelphia Phillies, it's an absolute shame. And uh, unfortunately, you know, things happen. You know, we live in a we live in a world where people do what they want to do. They they don't know. They don't take life sacred. You know, obviously we believe in the sanctity of life. God believes in the sanctity of human life. That's why He created us. But uh, you know, JB, it's just it's just an absolute shame. And uh, you know, I'm sure it must hit close to home for people such as yourself. Who you know, you have a daughter, much younger, but still you have a wife and children. And then those uh, out there listening in the the radio land who have kids, just how terrible that must be. Nothing can replace a child, and it, it, it's an absolute shame, JB. It really is. Yep, yep. and on, on behalf of Pure Gold and our entire crew, production staff, uh, me and DG, I just want to you know, express our condolences to the families out uh, in Arizona that did lose a loved one because of this madman, and uh, may God you know, take care of them now in heaven and... That's all I really have to that. I just wanted to mention how uh, how sad it was and how our thoughts and prayers are with the families of the uh, families that lost six people in that Arizona shooting. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned it because one of the things that I was going to mention, but, you know, I had it written originally and then it kind of slipped my mind. Uh, any other nuggets for us, JB? Um, I thought you'd go with one, but I could give you another one if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, mine are, mine are all related, <clears throat> so I, okay. I, I'd like you to go and do yours, and then I'll do mine, because they're basically all related to the same topic. Sounds fair. Fits. Uh, just cue me up, okay? Um, the, my next nugget, basically, uh, you know, uh, being uh, there are giant listeners listening on the uh, on our show right now, even though your team is not in the playoffs and has missed the playoffs two straight years, I must say. There was some uh, New York Giant talk in the Can news stop, recently. Please? Can you please stop talking about that? Okay. Anyway, Lawrence Taylor was uh, given six-month probation for soliciting a prostitute. So he's basically got six-month probation. And basically, he went from, you know, sacking quarterbacks to getting caught in the sack with prostitutes. So (laughs) the Giants are making headlines still there, DG, but just in the wrong way. Yeah, they are. Wasn't she underage, actually, JB? Yep, she was underage. And, um, uh, you know... I think if it's anybody but a famous person, I think they, they they get some jail time. But, of course, being a celebrity that LT is, he's only got six-month probation. You know, JB, that's a great point that you make because I think it's an absolute shame and it's disgusting and it's a travesty, travesty that these guys, because they have money, because they're famous, they really do get away with next to murder, sometimes with murder. You know, uh, I mean, look at O.J. Simpson. Look at, look at any of these cases. I mean, the Lawrence Taylor case is obviously different, but... These guys do terrible things. They just, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, JB. I really don't. Let's just uh, move on from this before I start, you know, going buck wild. All right. Two more nuggets. Uh, basically, John Fox, who was, I'm not sure if he was released or fired from the Carolina Panthers, already found a new job and is now the new head coach of the Denver Broncos. So, Josh McDaniels, you conceded little punk. You were 6-0 and to start your your career uh, two years ago. And guess what? You're on the outside looking in, my friend. You are fired, obviously. And John Fox, who I really like, John Fox, uh, is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. 
Ellen Fox is a former coach for the Giants. Uh, any relation to Jamie Fox, by the way? No relation, but I always thought that John Fox would actually uh, succeed uh, Tom Coughlin. Uh, no, Phil Coughlin, I meant. Um, you know, as head coach. Right. right, as head coach of the Giants. So, Phil Coughlin, I guess your job is secure for the next couple of years because John Fox found a home in Denver, Colorado. My last nugget of the night. <laughs> I know you have no comment, DJ, so I'm going right to my next nugget. So, okay. my my last nugget that I want to actually get to on Tuesday, but we ran uh, we ran over was that Trevor Hoffman, the league leading, um, you know, basically the league leader in saves with 601, has now announced his retirement. And you know, 601 saves is you know a great accomplishment and definitely a Hall of Famer. And ironically, his last save, DG, do you know who his last save was against? Yes, I do, because you told me on Tuesday. The New York Metropolitans. See, even the Mets can make news here, right here on Pure Gold. That's the last time you'll hear about the Mets talk until we talk hot stove baseball, because you know what? There's no time for crap teams like the Mets to be talked on this show. DG, your nuggets. Well, the Mets are not the Mets are not a hot stove radio. It's more like a cold uh, refrigerator because they haven't done anything. It's like an ice box. But uh, you know, thank you for those nuggets, JB. Now I'm going to get to a couple of things. Um, last <clears throat> Tuesday, for some reason, I keep thinking last week. I don't know why, but on Tuesday I talked about our favorite TV shows, my favorite TV shows. Uh, we talked about Smallville, awesome show. And I have a couple of Smallville nuggets and another nugget on another TV show that I love. Um, I was reading today online that Smallville producers are very... This is for you, JB. This is a pure gold exclusive just for you. That Smallville producers are very, and I mean very, cautiously optimistic that Michael Rosenbaum will be back, possibly, for the final episode of the show. JB, <laughs> are you there? Did you pass out? Did you did you wet your pants? I mean, talk to us, JB. Uh, Let us know. That's, that's, uh, is, 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 that's pure crap right there. That's not a nugget. I mean... First you tell me that they're cautiously optimistic, and now you're telling me that he's only going to show up for the last episode. I mean, Michael Rosenbaum. Well, wait, you, wait, I didn't say I didn't you, think he would only show up for the last episode. Michael Rosenbaum, you punk! You come back now. We need you now to finish the show, not for the last episode. And don't give me this cautiously optimistic crap because I'm not cautiously optimistic. Michael Rosenbaum, your career is going nowhere. Come back to Smallville. Be Lex Luthor. And damn it, do it now. I, uh, you know, I, I agree with you, Sarah. But the reason I say ca- I mentioned cautiously optimistic, and I mentioned they're, they're looking for the final episodes. I, I didn't say just one, but it's because over years I've heard it, and he's not coming back. He's not coming back. Tom Walling would meet him. They'd go out to dinner. Not coming back. Not coming back. Trying to get him back. So this is actually uh, pretty much as close to a yes that he won't be back as anything that we've heard. So I wanted to mention that to you. No need for you to get angry and violent, please. This is a family radio show. Another thing, as I watch my uh, cat scurry back and forth across my floor like an absolute lunatic, I guess he he wants Michael Rosenbaum to come back too because he looks like he's hopped up on something. Uh, Kristen Kruk, also known as Lana Lang, will definitely not be back before the show's end. JB, any thoughts on that? Uh, she, you know, she's a, a a nice piece of candy to look at, but, you know, whatever. I mean, no big loss there. I mean... I know you were in love with her for a long time until, you know, the whatever actress name that, you know, basically, uh, what's her name, Lois, came back onto the show. I know you fell in love with her then. So uh, having Lana not come back is no big loss to me, but it probably broke your heart, right, DG? 
Well, I, bet you're, I actually thought you were going to go in a different direction. I thought you were going to say that I was in love with her, you know, until I got married. But uh, you're, you're talking about Erica Durant, who's the uh, actress for Lois. She's uh, great, Lois. Much better than that. That um, what's the word I'm looking for here? This is a family program that that terrible actress Kate Bosworth. Flusy. Yeah, well, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to use such words, you know, being a minister and all. But uh, Kate Bosworth who played Lois Lane in the Superman Returns movie, much better than her. I mean, Margot Kidder was good, but let's move on from that. Uh, there's just a couple smaller notes, much lesser notes, and you don't have to comment on these if you don't want to, but uh, Dorinda Swan, who was uh, also known as Zatanna, uh, a member of the Justice League, she was contacted to possibly come back, but she won't be back either. And the producers have hinted that they want to get Callum Blue, who was uh, Major Zod, you know, the Superman's greatest nemesis, one of his greatest nemesis, that he may possibly come back to the show. Any thoughts on that, JB? Um, no, I'm good. <laughs> Thanks, JB. As always, it's a, it's a pleasure to hear your take or lack thereof. And moving on, folks, finally, as far as my uh, television stuff, because, again, we talk about sports and we talk about everything else. We've got to go entertainment. As we move away from football coming up on the Super Bowl, we have, uh, we have February, and that's going to be quite a lull of a month in terms of sports, so we're introducing this now so that we can get into that later. Uh, one of my favorite shows, 24, uh, it's over. You know, Season 8 was the last season. They hit a snag in terms of the movie. They're trying to get that done, but, uh, you know, it's extremely popular, but it may not be made. Hopefully it will come out to end the story of Jack Bauer. I just started Season 7 last night. I've never had a show, JB, and I don't want you to comment because you'll probably say something dumb, but I'm just letting you know, and the fans out there, there's never been a show that I've watched, I've followed, and I caught up on it so quickly. My coworker, uh, Kevin, introduced me to it, you know, my other job, not, you know, my full-time Pure Gold. I watched it, and I just kept watching season after season after season. My wife bailed out a couple of seasons ago because, you know, it was the same old thing. She didn't like the violence and stuff, you know, whatever. She's She's weak, but... Love the show. Hopefully the movie gets done. Uh, you know, I'll let you know in a couple of weeks when I'm done watching the, the finale of the show what my overall thoughts on it are. That should be sometime in February. But I just wanted to uh, throw that out there, folks. As we move on to wrestling, JB, I haven't discussed this with you. I read today that TNA is taking impact on the road. They're going to be taped some, somewhere in North Carolina next month, and this will only be the second time in the history of uh, TNA. Total nonsense, you know, whatever action, or whatever you want to call it, only the second time in their history that Impact is filmed outside of the Impact Zone at Universal Studios. JB, uh, what do you think about that? Um, I don't think it makes a big impact. I mean, I think they're just trying to, you know, create uh, some stir within, I guess, their little, you know, little area of the United States. The fact that, you know, their storylines suck, uh, the wrestlers are old and, you know, basically don't give a p- big push to their, their younger generation. It just speaks volumes for that organization. The, the big question will be is when will Dixie Carter's money run out so that organization will fold and either Vince like buys up the young talent. Oh, pretty soon is that, you said? No, I said folds like a cheap suit. You know, that's a good point, JB. But the reason I mention it is because you and I have talked at length about the problems with TNA, you mentioned all of them. The other one in, in our eyes uh, as a show is, you know, as a pair, is that doing doing all the shows in the Impact Zone, they're losing money hand over fist. Them even going out of the Impact Zone and venturing out is huge because it allows their market to expand. People can watch them in other places, watch them and say, hey, you know, 
I mean, this does suck, or maybe not, but the fact is they'll be making money. People will be paying to watch them, and that's a good thing for the company and a good thing in terms of, you know, Dixie Carter and her money running out and whatnot. But uh, wouldn't you agree, JB, that the fact that they're always in the impact zone, that these people are, are are there for free, and it's the same old fans, and they're in these a thousand seat arena, whatever it is, it makes it look bushly. It looks, it makes it look bushly compared to ECW. But when you compare it with the monster WWE, it just looks like a big old moose turd. I mean, I can't believe that they actually have the same arena for every single event, and they don't even charge their fans. I mean, what the hell is that about? I mean, how are they making money? I don't get it. They're obviously, you know, not making money with the TV ratings because they suck. So. Uh, you know, to I, I, I say goodbye to TNA. I don't even know if we should ever talk about TNA ever again. Unless, again, Eric Bischoff wants to come on the show or Dixie Carl wants to come on and explain why you have such a crap turd of an organization called TNA. I would love if Eric Bischoff came on the show and insulted you and berated you for 30 minutes straight. I would sit there in awe and silence, applauding him the entire way, just like he did to Michael Barton on his show. I would absolutely love it, J.B., uh, the fact is that there's got to be fans out there somewhere who want to talk TNA, so you know we'll mention Nuggets along the way, or if anything great happens. But I don't know how they make money. Nobody does. It's a mystery, one of the great mysteries of the universe, because everything is free. All the shows are free, and it's the same people. It's the same thing. And you know what? They're they're getting out there. They're venturing out, which is a good thing. So uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll see where that goes. But uh, moving on to the WWE, I have a couple of notes here on the the Hall of Fame. I read uh, over the last couple of days since our last show that Kevin Nash and Steve Austin both commented on the induction of the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels into the Hall of Fame. Austin said that HBK is the greatest in-ring performer he has ever seen. And uh, Kevin Nash said, and I quote, is the Hall of Fame even enough? Come on, Vince. Bronze statue in the lobby. Any thoughts on that, JB? Yeah, I agree with them. I mean, Shawn Michaels is a complete package when it comes to Mike's skills, charisma, uh, in-ring ability, he has it all. Um, I, I, the only thing I question about it, again, like I said on Tuesday, is why is he being inducted so soon when so many other guys should be put in the Hall of Fame before him. Granted, he's the best. He's the best ever. He's Mr. WrestleMania. Love him to death. I just, I, I, I still understand why now, why this year, why with the WCW-themed WrestleMania is he being inducted this year. I don't know either, and I guess it's something that you know we'll, we'll find out. But I, I do believe it's just to get because normally the the first inductee is not the biggest one, but this time you know they did it, they they threw it out there, and it's a huge thing, and people are going to be interested just for the fact that I believe part of it is that Sean is so fresh in everybody's mind that they want this to be like wow, here it comes, you know, HBK, we're seeing him again on TV, whatever the case is. Um, you know, the other names that are ruling for the Hall of Fame this year, and I'd like to get your take on this: Double uh, A, not Triple A, as you keep saying, Arn Anderson. Um, the Enforcer of the Four Horsemen, Mr. Lex Luger, the total package, Ron Simmons, damn, Dean Malenko, Stenko Malenko, the man of a thousand holds, Medusa, uh, you know, who also wrestled in the WWE uh, as a women's champion, and she she went to, uh, you know, WCW, threw the belt in the garbage and all that other goodness, and also the Honky Tonk Man. JB, any thoughts on those? Well, I love the fact that Triple A is finally going to be inducted, but unfortunately, um, you know, he'd probably want Ric Flair to induct him. So, um, obviously, all the names that you mentioned, Triple uh, A, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, Ron Simmons, Dean Malenko, Medusa, all from WCW. Medusa, not so much, but the rest are basically WCW guys. So, I could see, like, you know, the WWE is, 
you know, tried to make this a WCW-themed WrestleMania, so um, there's no question in my mind that Arn Anderson should be in the Hall of Fame. There's no question that Ron Simmons, being the first African-American world champion to be in the Hall of Fame in WCW, Dean Malenko, what can you say? He's done it all in the ring and out of the ring in terms of, you know, you know his great talent. And basically, you know, you know what's funny, DG? I mean, you mentioned all those names, and you mentioned the Honky Tonk Man. Those are the type of guys that should be inducted to the Hall of Fame way before, like, people like Shawn Michaels should ever be inducted. I agree. We all we hated the Hall of Fame because of Coco Beware, the fact that he's in there is a joke. My cat, Kalil, wait, wait, I'm looking at wait, him right Coco now, Beware's he should be in there. Wait, Coco Beware's <laughs> in the Hall of Fame? Yes, yes he is. Uh, for whatever reason, Vince was on drugs that day. He decided to induct that wacko. I mean, no offense to the man. He was obviously, you know, entertaining and whatnot, but he lost, I think, every match he ever performed in WWE. And I have no clue, folks, no clue. But again, you know, the names that are mentioned there, we have, uh, you know, they're they're all deserving. Medusa or Alundra Blaze, if she wasn't the WWF, uh, you know, she she was a trailblazer. She's not a... The fabulous move or anything, but she's definitely a trailblazer in her time. She won the cruiserweight title in WCW before it went down the proverbial crapper. But there's a couple other names, JB, that I haven't discussed with you that I want to mention. Supposedly, and I have it in capital letters on the rundown, Vince McMahon wants to induct former WCW owner billionaire Ted Turner into the hall. Most people feel that Ted won't accept it, but what do you think about that, JB? That just feels like Vince McMahon playing his power game saying, you know what, Ted, I beat you. And now I'm going to induct you into my Hall of Fame, and you will always be inferior to me. What do you think, DJ? I agree. If we were to take out Vince's ego, which again he wouldn't be Vince McMahon, I think it's actually a, it's actually a great idea, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think what Vince wants, I agree with you on everything you said that he's doing it to rub it in his face. But Vince, I guess, wants to make the WWE Hall of Fame like the legit wrestling Hall of Fame. Because some guys like Antonio Inoki, I mean, you know, they're in the Hall of Fame, but they didn't do anything. Vern Gagne, they did nothing for the WWE. They weren't even a part of the WWE, but they're there because Vince wants some type of a legitimacy to what the Hall of Fame is. Uh, the other two names mentioned, and these are huge, two of my absolute favorites. Vince is planning to make a push for Sting to join the Hall of Fame. Many believe he's going to re-sign with TNA, you know, the inside scoop. But I would love to see Sting in the Hall of Fame. And also Goldberg, which is the other big name. Supposedly there's a big three. If it's Shawn Michaels and anybody else other than Sting and Goldberg, I don't see what the big three is. But, you know, that would be huge. And possibly he may have a match at Mania, uh, WrestleMania 27. JB? I think Sting is probably the best wrestler never to work for Vince McMahon. So I agree Absolutely. with you that he's trying... I, I think he's trying to make the Hall of Fame not only a WWE Hall of Fame, but just a wrestling Hall of Fame. So there's no doubt that Sting should make that you know Hall of Fame. Hopefully he doesn't sign with uh, resign with TNA. But then again, TNA is a cheap paycheck. You only have to show up at one arena for the most part. So I can see why old time wrestlers <laughs> go there and retire. Yeah, I can see why wrestlers go there and retire because you know it's an easy you know way of life as compared to what the WWE does when they travel basically 300 days out of the year. Um, and Goldberg, I love Goldberg. I would love for him to come back against one more match at WrestleMania, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. But, you know, obviously Goldberg and Sting should be de- definitely inducted into the Hall of Fame. Definitely, definitely. We both agree on that. We pretty much agree on the entire Hall of Fame scenario. Moving on to SmackDown before we close out the show. Um, Kofi Kingston and Jack Swagger, it looks like they're feuding out, uh, feuding for the uh, Intercontinental title. JP, what the heck happened to these two? Jack Swagger was, had a lackluster world title run, but the fact is he's a former world heavyweight champion. Uh, that he's essentially been buried 
Will he ever make it to the main again? And will one mistake that Kofi Kingston made against Randy Orton in that stupid match where Orton went nuts like the jerk that he is, will he ever get out of the mid-card? Are these two doomed to be feuding for the Intercontinental title for the next five years until their future endeavor, or are they ever going to make it to the main event where they should be? Well, I, I think the fact that they're now fighting for the Intercontinental title speaks volumes for their careers. I mean, because you you really don't see, like, when John Cena loses his world title, you don't see him going for the U.S. title. So the fact that they're now, sure. they're now mid the fact that they're now mid carders are probably a, a bad sign. But then again, um, as if they don't end this brand, you know, this brand split between Raw and SmackDown, I basically think that you know, obviously, you'll see Swagger back in the, the title picture again. If SmackDown, as we know, has a you know a subpar roster, I think that Swagger will be able to go back into the main event status eventually. Unless again, which my goal is, hopefully they combine the rosters. DG. I agree, definitely agree with that. Um, moving on to you know our last thing here for SmackDown, which is you know a big topic, but we'll we'll save it for Monday, uh, Tuesday, see what happens. Um, Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel, who did not take part in the in the Nexus beatdown initiation on Monday with uh, CM Punk, they beat everybody else down, but they didn't hit each other. They went over to SmackDown. They helped Wade Barrett beat down the Big Show. Big Show won by disqualification, and Ezekiel Jackson also went heel by attacking the Big Show as well. Folks, it looks like we have another Nexus faction on SmackDown. Um, I don't know, JB. Are, are they going to turn this into, you know, NWO Wolfpack versus the Black and White without all the great superstars? I don't understand this at all. Why would you have two Nexus factions, you know, basically all the original members are, other than Otenga are with Wade, and then the newer guys are with Punk? Doesn't this make Punk look weak as a leader, and doesn't it just make absolutely no sense? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And just when you think that the WWE has it right, and they basically, you know, have, you know, we all we all thought that Nexus was a dead angle after John Cena beat Wade Barrett, but they decided to freshen things up. They brought uh, CM Punk in there as their leader. But as soon as they the, the WWE gets one thing right, they get two things wrong. Dividing Nexus oh. into two different. Preach it, brother. Preach it. <laughs> yep. Basically, Nexus, when they divide them into two different factions, basically lost all credibility with me, and I'm sure all fans will now think that, what the hell is this about? I don't like the fact that there's two different Nexuses. There should be just one Nexus that travels from show to show, creates havoc, and basically that's all I have to say about that. Thank you, JB, for that uh, fascinating take. And one last thing on SmackDown before we close out the show. Dolph Ziggler versus Edge has been announced as the main event for the Royal Rumble. Can you explain to me how Dolph Ziggler becomes a main event player and is fighting for the at the pay-per-view? He's getting a title match at the pay-per-view, a title match that he earned on SmackDown, right? And now all of a sudden, you know, John Morrison, who was on Raw, he got his his title shot that he earned in the pay-per-view for on a Raw. Explain that to me, JB, before we close out. He must be kissing somebody's ass. <laughs> Woo! And, folks, that's about all the time we have for Pure Gold tonight. We have uh, one final note. Kevin Knight of the IWF, as usual, folks, you've been announcing it for weeks. You've been hyping it up. Kevin Knight will be joining us on Tuesday, January 25th. JB, you have any closing thoughts, sir? I uh, just want to say that, you know, we all have family, and once in a while we do lose a loved one. And uh, this past week I lost my uncle. I, I call Zulix and Zulix. We will all miss you. We all love you, and we hope God is watching over you. God rest your soul. Rest in peace, my friend. My uncle. Sorry, my friend. He is my friend. He's my uncle too. God bless you. Davey, Davey, thanks for that. Uh, you know our condolences go out to you and your family. 
Folks, that's uh, all about all the time we have tonight for Pure Gold. Our call-in line, as always, 714-364-4721. Email puregoldpg at yahoo.com. Our Twitter, puregoldpg. Puregoldpg is our YouTube channel, and also puregoldpg at our uh, Facebook page, folks. JB and I write for sportsrages.com. Keep the articles coming, JB. That's all the time we have, folks. Remember to tune in next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Sorry, folks. 10 p.m. Eastern. I have no idea what I'm thinking. Our next show for JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. Good night, everyone.